This is recording number 10897 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, December 26, 2010. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Day After Christmas. We're going to be talking today about the day after Christmas, because that's what this is. Now, I, uh, I'm not sure if you have plans to be close to some shopping center today. Um, I, I, uh, I pray for your soul, if you know. <laughs> um, the day after Christmas uh, is kind of a, a wake-up call, unless, well, unless you're and I guess really that's, I mean that literally, because if you're one of those folks who want to do shopping on the day after Christmas, you do get up at the crack of dawn to be able to get there. And I don't know, I didn't check the uh, circular, so I don't know if even today, even though the day after Christmas is a Sunday, they still open the stores at like four in the morning. Were they doing that today? Anybody know? Yes? No? None of us. Are, we're so spiritual. None of us know. <laughs> so. What are you laughing at? <laughs> um, but it, uh, it also is a wake-up call in that, you know, there's this, this huge build-up to, to Christmas, as there should be. You know, I mean, n- nobody loves to uh, celebrate Christmas more than me. Um, well, probably my wife, I, should, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but uh there's this huge build-up to, to Christmas, and then it's, and, and thank God we all had, I mean, I, I hope you all had a great holiday, but then it's over, and then it's Monday, <laughs> and uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, th- what happens, or what God intends for, uh, for uh, us to experience in the aftermath of coming to our, that place of rejoicing and celebrating and putting our faith in the fact that God has sent His Son. And that's what Christmas is. God didn't um, send His Son into the world so that we could have a holiday to celebrate. God sent His Son in the world so that we could be with Him forever. So we could have our sins cleansed and be made righteous before Him. Uh, But having come to that awareness and that faith... What happens next? And that's what we want to talk about today. Luke chapter 2, let's start reading at verse 8, or follow along as I read. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. As you would be. (laughs) I mean, uh, look, these guys were... um, they were loners. They spent most of their lives uh, by themselves, you know, off in the, in the uh, f- uh, foothills and fields, tending flocks of sheep. We have, on Mare Island where I live, we have uh, uh, annually now, we have this uh, uh, shepherd, and I think he's got a couple of assistants and some very menacing-looking sheepdogs uh, that come out there and, uh, you know, the, the goats go through and eat up all the weeds on the island. It's quite a thing. 
they leave behind something else, but we won't discuss that. Um, but they, I see these shepherds out there, and they're just, they just, they're just sitting watching the sheep all day. I can't think of anything more boring than that. But that's what we're talking about here. Guys who, you know, that's their life. Their life is just the, uh, shall we say it, kind of the drudgery of the routine of, you know, isolation and so on. Not, not uh, you know, these are guys who don't have grand hopes for their lives. And perhaps you're not a shepherd, but, but perhaps you know what it's like to, to kind of be in a drudgery loop. You know, just going to work every day or taking care of whatever obligations and responsibilities you have. And it just never seems to end, does it? There's always something else that needs to be tended to. Somehow the grass in my front yard never stops growing, even though I wish it would. I always need to mow it. There's always phone calls to answer. And now there's not only phone calls, there's texts, there's IMs, there's emails, there's Facebook. There's all, you know, it's coming at you from every direction and it never stops. And so there's this thing that we can easily slip into called the drudgery loop of life. Well, these guys were there. They're just like you and me. And then all of a sudden, they are smack dab in the middle of a grand revelation that God has invaded humanity. And that's what we're reading about here. And so they were a little shocked. It says they were greatly, I shouldn't say little, they were greatly afraid. Verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Notice that he says, I will bring you I mean, I bring you good tidings. Not I will. I bring you good tidings. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, <laughs> and I love the, the language of the Bible here, it's so proper and staid, and let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I got a, got a feeling it may have been a little bit more like, huh, did you just see that? Am I alone here? Let's go, let's go check this out, right? And they came with haste, verse 16 says, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Remember, these are loners. These are not socially skilled guys. You know, these are the guys where you, you, you go up to them at a party and shake your hand and you say, how you doing? Fine. 
you know what I, you know what happens? You start to work at trying to get some kind of conversation going, and it's always just one word answers or a nod or a grunt, and that's it. That's what these guys were. They were not, you know, chatterboxes. But it says that they were so impacted by what they experienced that they made widely known. They, they something transformed these guys. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, this is what I really love about this, ver- this passage, at least in the context of, of our uh, study this morning. Then the shepherds returned. Returned to where and to what? They returned to their regular life. They returned to their flocks. They returned to the loneliness of the hillside. (laughs) They went back. (laughs) They returned. And they did this. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's just take a few minutes this morning to talk about the day after Christmas. The first thing that I see in this passage about what I think is modeled for us by the shepherds in terms of what to do or how to be or what life should be like in the wake of that that truth impacting your life that God has come to rescue me. God intends for the aftermath of that power encounter with his gospel, for your life, your ordinary life, to become extraordinary. And I think this passage shows us four ways that that happens. First, that the ordinary becomes extraordinary when you confront fear. The angel said, don't be afraid. Now, of course, they were afraid of just the awesomeness of the moment and, you know, something that was completely unexpected. And yet I think that it, that it speaks something uh, deeper than that to all of us because there is, I mean, let's admit it. There's a little bit of fear that comes along with the stepping across the boundary from doubt into faith and you on the other side of that boundary are now a follower of Christ a a believer and there's just a little bit I think in most of us that that think well you know so what does that mean now am I going to be the guy that sets up on a stands up on a box on the street corner and says turn or burn and you know that kind of thing am i going to have to put bumper stickers all over my car that say you know uh, i'm i'm not perfect i'm forgiven and all that kind of stuff am i going to be that guy now i mean they're, they're they're on the other side of this encounter the power encounter with the gospel that we have that transforms us and gives us eternal life on the, other, on, the, on the other side of that, there can be, and most often is, just a little bit of fear. How much of my life do I give? How different am I going to be? What is God going to ask of me? 
But as long as we continue to entertain those fears and as long as we kind of just keep, you know, uh, keep things a little bit reserved, ordinary cannot become extraordinary. It's when we set aside those fears and dive in with full abandon. God, take me. Do with me and in me everything and anything that you intend. I, I trust you. Man, life, life becomes quite exciting when we do that. Not necessarily without some um, anxious moments, but quite exciting. The second thing that I see in this passage that helps us to understand how God wants our lives to be in the aftermath of the impact of the gospel when the ordinary becomes extraordinary is that that happens. The ordinary becomes extraordinary when you get personal with God. When you get personal to God. For unto you. Now, it wasn't the for unto y'all, you know. It was, for, it was unto you. This announcement was to specific people. Those shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. And you know, it's like those paintings that, you know, people, and drawings that people do, and I'm not quite sure how they do it, but you know where the eyes follow you everywhere you go? It's like that. This gospel is for you, Mike. And for you, Flo. Everywhere and anytime anyone stares into the glorious gospel of God, they find that it's for them. Because our God loves you, not just the multitudes, not just the, the, the almost 7,000 people that occupy this globe now. Billion. What did I say? Thousand? <laughs> yeah. That would be different, wouldn't it? Billion with a B. But you, you and me. But a lot of times the way we conduct ourselves in, in, as, as believers, people of faith, is as though we're just, a, you know, a number. We're one of the many, one of the crowd. And, you know, maybe we'll get to heaven and, and all that, but, you know, uh, I, God certainly isn't uh, aware of, of me. Well, he certainly is. In fact, the truth of the matter is, someone said this, I didn't come up with it, and you've probably heard it before, that, that if you were the only person, you were the only one in all of human history that would have needed God's saving grace, Jesus would have still come. Jesus would have still died on the cross. That's how much you mean to him. <clears throat> So, ordinary becomes extraordinary when I get personal with God. I remember as a teenager, uh, that you can think whatever you want about this, but uh, for me it was a very real experience. I, 
I, my wife will attest to this, my kids probably would too, that I am, I'm not the best uh, waker-upper. I'm not the best early morning guy. I'm mostly cranky all the time, but more so in the morning. <clears throat> and that's kind of always been, you know, I mean, my wife is an early, early, port, early bird, an early morning person, morning person, I guess they call it. And uh, until I married her, I was a night person. You know, I'd stay up late and then sleep late and all that. Well, she has transformed me. Uh, but in those days, I was, you know, you could not get me out of bed before noon. So, well, unless, uh, unless you were my mother. But that's another story. So anyway, uh, I, 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 I'm sleeping away. It's a, probably a weekend or something like that. And I don't have to get up to go to school. And I'm suddenly awake. I stare at the clock, and it's not noon yet. And I'm thinking, oh, this, uh, this isn't good. I, I gotta, I'm going to go back to sleep. But I, you know what? I, I couldn't shake something. An awareness that God was there with me. Now, I, I didn't see anything. There weren't any lights. There wasn't any trumpets. There weren't any angels. There wasn't, hallelujah. You know, there wasn't any of that. It was just... I had this sense that God was with me. And this is what I felt. You know, I don't, I didn't, you know, I can't, I didn't hear any words. I, but it was, I just knew this somehow. I don't know how to explain this. I just knew it in my mind and heart. God wanted me to know that he was anxious to get on with my day. He was there anxious to get on with my day to walk with me through my day you know like your, your kids yesterday morning it's Christmas get out of bed you sleepy head right it was like almost like that I don't mean to sound as though God is some sort of anxious toddler but I but that's the feeling that I had and you know that's the God that we have this is personal with him he loves you and your life, and your world, and mine. And he's anxious every moment of every day to live it with you. And the ordinary becomes extraordinary when we get personal with God. The ordinary becomes extraordinary also when we step out in faith. Uh, let's go see this thing that the angels have been telling us about. You know, to actually <laughs> pick up their walking sticks and just march into town. That's, you know, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. It was a big deal last year when, I know we've talked about this many times, but it was a big deal last year when Van uh, Gillum came to me after a service and said, you know, I've been saving my, my vacation time and I'd like to go to, to the mission field. This is a guy who's a janitor for the school district. This is a guy who doesn't have, um, not that there's anything but greatness in the man. But uh, until I think uh, he really found Jesus and began to see this working out in his own life, I don't think he had very great expectations for himself. He has a past and a history just like all of us. And he was just grateful to be able to be making a living. But the man has become transformed be, uh, into a, an advocate for missions. He's already 
Uh, he's got six months to go before he actually gets on a plane, but he's already there in Cambodia again. <clears throat> and uh, like Teresa said, next week we're going to invite some of you to go with him. But what happened was he stepped out in faith on that limb where, you know, if God doesn't, some, doesn't do something, I'm going down. He committed himself to making a trip across the Pacific Ocean to a place uh, that he didn't even, uh, you know, know how to spell the name of before going. And the money that it would take to get there. He's not a wealthy guy. He didn't, he, was, he didn't have the money to go, but he stepped out and God met him and the ordinary became extraordinary. All of us have things that God, little beckonings, little callings, little invitations that God has extended to each of us to step out in faith. Yeah, it's risky in some sense. You know, it's risky to our flesh anyway. Yeah, it's not, there's no, there's no a clear-cut certainty about where that, will, that first step will end up taking you. But who wants to live a boring, safe, you know, life? And when I mean safe, I mean predictable. There's nothing unsafe about trusting your life to God, but you know what I mean. I want to live an extraordinary life. And that means doing some things that sometimes people think are a little odd. Sometimes doing things you think are a little odd. One time I was, um, and some of you have heard this story before, but I, I just feel impressed to tell it again. Um, because it, it so illustrates this point. But I was attending a church service, not one that I was leading, not a church that I was pastoring. I was... I think I was on vacation visiting my in-laws. And uh, so I went to, a, but it was a church I had been a part of. They knew me. The pastor knew me. I wasn't, uh, a, you know, an unknown person. It was a, a large congregation and there was a lot of people there. And I was sitting probably in the third row there, where, like where Mark and Verna are. And um, service is going along. We're worshiping. There's music and everything. And all of a sudden, I'm feeling this like from God, you know. Step, step across that line. Step out in faith. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I just kind of kept feeling God's nudging me. I got something I want you to do. And all He was looking for, you know, God. When when that starts to happen in the beginning, it's not about the the plan, the strategy. God, if you'll tell me what I'm supposed to do or how, you know, what will happen when I do it, then I'll sign on. It's never that. It's just, will you say yes? That's all He's looking for. Will you say yes? I don't know. What does it mean if I say yes? Will you say yes? And I'm feeling this, right? And this is going on, you know, I don't know. It seemed like hours. I'm sure it was probably 10 minutes at the most while we were worshiping. And I'm thinking, I kept watching my watch, and I'm thinking this, this worship time is not going to go on forever. And if I can last until it's done, this will pass and I'll be okay. But it just kept, you know. And so the end of worship time comes to an end, and the pastor hasn't yet... You know, the, the song has died. The pastor yet hasn't mounted the platform to, to say whatever he was going to say or do whatever he was doing next. And this is my opportunity. And it's like, oh, please, God, no. But I found myself getting up out of my seat. Can you imagine that? If you did that, Mark, I'd have the ushers haul you out. <clears throat> 
But, but there I am. I stand up. Now, thankfully, the pastor who has climbed up to the platform now and sees me standing up, you know, I don't have a part on that. There's no, nothing on that morning's program that says, Randy will stand and speak, right? So, but he knows me. And he, so he says, what's up? But you got, you got something to say. What I wanted to say is I have no idea. And then I, I still, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I opened my mouth and I found myself saying, there's a, there, I believe that there is a woman here uh, who is desperate. You have reached the end of your rope and you, um, your husband is not a believer and you um, have become completely frustrated, not only with him, but with God. And you're here giving God a last chance. And he wants you to know that if you'll wait just a little longer, you'll see the fulfillment of that for which your heart longs. And then I sat down. And then for the rest of the service, I have no idea what happened in the rest of the service. Because from that point on, I was, wa- I was checking out all the exits and planning the shortest escape route. Because when the service was over, I was going to get out the door before anybody could you know, uh, rebuke me for what had just happened. Anyway, the service ends, and Sue's with me. We stand up, and I said, let's go, dear. And, <laughs> and, and uh, kind of seated like where Pat is right there, just directly behind me was a woman who grabbed me by the shirt. I was leaving. She grabbed me by the shirt, and she jerked me, and she said, she said, that's me. She said, last night, I, I've been praying for my, I came to know Jesus and my life has changed. I've been praying for my husband. And he's still the nasty old guy he's ever been. I'm so frustrated with God. I, I came home last night with the kids and he had locked us out of the house and told us never to come back. And I, you know, we spent the night in my car last night. I came in here to this, today to tell God off. And then you stood up and interrupted this service and God spoke to me. And she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give God some more time. Well, to make a longer, a very long story short, because I knew the pastor and had occasion when we we would uh, interact, about a month later he told me, a month later he told me he had had in that 30-day period of time, he had seen that man come to know Christ as Savior and had baptized him in water. <clears throat> yeah, praise God. I could, you know, I, I don't know why that one particularly stuck in my mind, but I could tell you a number of stories like that where stepping out in faith caused the or, my ordinary life. I was on vacation. I had no intention of, you know, doing anything like that. But my ordinary life became extraordinary. And there are things like that that God will extend to each of us. Little opportunities of invitation, beckoning us, kind of nudging us to, will you take a step for me here? I encourage you to answer yes, because life will become extraordinary. Finally, in the aftermath of the impact of the gospel upon our lives, God's plan is for the ordinary to become extraordinary. And that happens when we live under assignment, when you live under assignment. These guys, now, they went back, but they did not go back the same. They went back changed men. And it says that they made widely known what they had seen. 
Now that did not happen in a day or a week or a month or a year. These guys didn't have contact with many people. You know what? It happened over a lifetime. That's how they made widely known what they had seen. Because they made sure that everybody they came in contact with, which in their line of work was infrequent, but they made sure that everyone they encountered knew about the good news. Because they were no longer shepherds, were they? They were emissaries. They were ambassadors. They were carriers of the cure, my friend Bobby Chance says. They were carriers of the cure. And they took that seriously. And it transformed their lives. And I don't know what you do for a living. I don't know if you're a homemaker or a fireman or a, you know, a, a plumber or a, you know, an accountant or a nurse. or I, I don't know what you do for a living. But you've heard me say this before. It's just a disguise. You are really a full-time minister, a carrier of the cure. God has disguised you as an accountant, as a nurse, as a police officer. Because there are people in that circle, in that arena, who need, who need to know the good news of the Savior. And living under that assignment transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. 